You're listening to the Dark Depths Podcast. We would love if you could take a minute out of your day to follow the Dark Depths Podcast on Twitter, subscribe to our YouTube channel, give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to our show, or just tell a friend. If you feel up to it, you can also give us a donation on PayPal or support us on Patreon. Don't feel like you have to, though. Our show is always going to be free. That's all the announcements. I hope you enjoy the show. Podcast, your go-to place for the modern legacy format. I'm one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and I am here with the seasoned dungeoneer himself, Michael Matson. How are you? You know, I just hit record for like the tenth time today, so <laughs> that about sums up how I'm feeling right now. Yeah, I could see that. That seems a bit annoying. I mean, it's better than driving in the rain, though, right? You know, driving in the rain wouldn't be as bad if other people just didn't exist. I mean, yes, to be fair, that would be true, right? Um, you know, I had a crappy drive going in and out of work today. It took me it took me so long. Well, no, it wasn't even the rain this morning. There was an accident uh, on 202, which is like, you know, the major road on my way to work. It's like, had it shut, a reasonable section was only one lane, and it is a three-lane highway. And one lane is... Much worse. Hmm. Yes. I mean, I think especially just like the funneling into the one lane and then the funneling out of the one lane, like super annoying. Was it like the, uh, I'm assuming the, like one of the side ones was the open one. So everyone has to get from like the all the way on the left side to all the way on the right side. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, I was 25 minutes late to work. Oh gosh. I'm usually early. I mean, I guess the the bright side is you build up enough goodwill being early that like the one time you're late, you're like it was an accident. They're like, yeah, that I thought you died. That makes that's the only thing that makes sense. Well, literally, all of us take the same road, so oh. everyone everyone was late. <laughs> you're late. The coworkers late. The bank is just like late, and it's like that's cool. Well, I'm glad you eventually got to work, and I'm glad you get to you know. You, you've got a lot of good magic coming up. I know with the uh, with the Legacy Showcase qualifiers this weekend, which is, like, I, obviously good news for you. I'm very excited you're qualified for it, but also very upsetting that you're qualified for it, so you're, you're not going to Eternal Weekend this week. Well, I guess you're not playing an Eternal Weekend this week. Yeah, I'm qualified for all the things. I'm qualified for that. Qualified for the Regional Championship this weekend. Uh, you oh, know, yeah, that's right. you know, Congrats. This weekend, hopefully, I'll be qualified for the Mox. You know, mm-hmm. just, just do it all. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, like, the dream, right? I feel like there are, especially, I, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I think Legacy is really fun right now, and there's a lot of really kind of cool, exciting things that have been happening uh, in the past couple weeks um, that I'm excited to talk about a little bit more. Uh, but, and we have just a, a lot of things to cover in general. I mean, like, we should probably, like, start with the Modern Showcase Qualifier just to get going here. So, for the Modern Showcase Qualifier, uh... We've got a couple people making top eight here. People that we know, people that we love. Uh, I see well, that Ben Jones is uh, got first with what hammer time? That, like, ben Jones did not come in first. You got to stop paying attention to what Goldfish says. Goldfish is a liar. Okay, well, so okay, who do you know who got first? Of course I do. Uh, so first, it's always worth pointing out at the start of this: the showcase qualifiers are very. 
they're not the normal meta, right? Because small fields, people have a high expectation of what others are going to be playing, lots of metagaming going on. But uh, which of these decks do you think is least likely to have won? Uh, my heart would say either Eldrazi Tron or Belcher. Uh, Eldrazi Tron it is. Eldrazi Tron ah. won the event. Okay, nice. Okay, so Eldrazi Tron, I mean, that's, I mean, a deck that exists, that plays cards that are legal in the modern format. I mean, I guess you get, you do get a lot of really powerful stuff. I mean, I feel like you putting in uh, Ulamog, the Thesis Hunger, Thought Not Seer is never a bad thing. I mean, obviously, Walking Ballista is solid. Matter Reshaper is somehow, like, the best three-drop of all time. I hate that card. Um, But uh, they do look like they're playing some new cards, though. I mean... I have not seen Inscribed Tablet le- yet, and I also haven't really seen Karn Silex, but I, I think I remember the Silex from the preview season. Silex is kind of sweet, turning off fetch lands. Um, Inscribed Tablet makes sense as like your replacement for Ancient Syrinx, since you don't have green. Um, all in all, I don't think anybody really understands how this deck won the event, but you know, good for them. Uh, you know, it's yeah. about... <laughs> It's about what I got. Uh, <laughs> three Chalice of the Void seems really weird to me, too, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I still want... Okay, so my part, my thought, at least in this format, is that, like, shutting off one drop is really, really good. Or does nothing. There's really no in-between. Like, and you're playing a number of one drops in this deck as well. Like, you're playing Inscribed Tablet, you're playing Expedition Map... So, like, it's not like you really want to consistently shut down one. You, I, I think it benefits you to do it in general, but, like, it's not just always correct. So, I guess skimping on the on the chalices is not a bad place to be, but, I don't know, it's kind of, it always seems kind of bizarre. So, I don't think you're worried about shutting off your one-drops, because your one-drops are not impactful late game. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. I think shutting off opposing one-drops is generally going to be better than shutting off your own. Like, if, you know, it's on turn five, I would much rather draw, like, a Ragavan than an Inscribed Tablet. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah, I guess that that definitely makes sense. Yeah, that that late game on Holy Heat is definitely going to be better than the Expedition map. So, okay. You can see that. But Leandre did win, uh, beating Twinless Twin on Murktide in the finals. And I I, kind of just... You know, I'm going to chill for my friend Max here for a second. If you are at all interested in learning how to play Blue-Red Murktide, uh, this man wrote a guide, I think it's $20. Um, and since then, I feel like he has top-aided, like, numerous, numerous events. So, I don't really understand how to win with the deck. And if you're like me and don't know how to win with the deck, you should probably check out his guide. I assume it will make you way better. Okay, something to check out then. Yeah, I mean, Max is one of the best. I feel like regardless of format, I think as soon as Max like locks into what uh, what he's doing, he's better than everybody. So uh, it's it's cool to see him being successful. Obviously, uh, being able to make you know top eight of these things is is really impressive. Um, I, unfortunately, he didn't you know win the whole thing, but I, I'm very I think that's a really strong finish by him. Yeah. Um. 
Notable, he's only on two Merc type regions. I feel like when Ledger Shredder first came out, people were like, no, don't play Ledger Shredder. Like, you need to play Merc Tide. Merc Tide's so good. And then it was like, I don't know, maybe you gotta play like three Merc Tide regions and four Ledger Shredders. And people were like, no, you're stupid. Don't do that. So, like, I kind of love seeing how far uh, Merc Tide region has fallen down to only a two of. Yeah, I mean, Ledger Shredder, in my mind, in a lot of formats, I, I think, in general, I, like, I see the same thing playing Shadow. It's just, like, Ledger Shredder is just better for what you're doing. It just plays the exact same game, but you can actually play it on turn two reliably in modern. It actually gets you into the interaction that you're so desperate for in, in modern, right? It actually makes your fetchlands into actual cardboard late game. Like, if you are planning on taking over this game... You know, inch by inch, card by card, like, that is what Ledger Shredder is, like, made for. Murktide is obviously good at closing the door, but, like, that is that is a sprint. And Ledger Shredder is definitely the, the, the runner, the distance runner. So, I think there is a lot of merit to having a heavier count of the Ledger Shredder here. I like that. Um, so, we probably don't want to go, like, list, list for list through this topic, but I do want to point out just like the number of players on Grinding Station, um, it mm. was, well, that and Scam were the only two decks with repeat players, right? And, you know, we talked last week about how good Scam is. I still think that deck is really good. Um, but also I just love the performance grindings, like the Breach deck put up. Uh, there's nothing fancy about these lists, but there's like more of them in top 16. Um, I This is actually, I, I use this to qualify for the regional champs this weekend as well just reach check is just so good and it's so fun and i don't know i was talking to our friend josh about this it's just like people aren't picking up this deck and you know you see like these really good players like playing it and just like crushing people with it but then it just feels like on a more local level players are not picking it up and it's it's so weird to me yeah i mean it does a lot of things that are familiar, like, to other things you could be doing in the format. Like, there are plenty of Ragavan decks, there's plenty of Ledger Shredder decks. Um, there aren't, I mean, anymore, at least. There's not a lot of Emery decks, but, like, you can play Teferi Time Raveler, you can play Express of Iteration anywhere. Uh, I think the fact that this is, like, not only, like, one of the only Breach decks, but, like, I think in the spectrum of the Breach decks is probably the most powerful breach deck i think is a good enough reason for people to play it but yeah it doesn't it doesn't check a lot of boxes for people somehow and i i don't know why i it par- partially could be honestly like you know we're coming from a place where people had a play set of omnaths and a play set of renin six and like if i just bought, spent 320 dollars on a play set of renin six like i'm going to be playing my renin sixes until i can't play them anymore um i, I think this might just have enough different cards that people don't want to invest in, you know, the grinding stations and the mox ambers and whatnot. But that seems like a silly reason to me not to, not to take the, the free win percentage. Yeah. But that's really good. Um, I played with third path iconoclast this weekend. Um, so played that over where people play Lodger shredder typically. Both, both are good. I don't have a strong feeling about which one's better. Ledger shredder is better at like comboing um obviously because it takes you towards the combo but um Mm -hmm. iconoclast is very strong in the quote grindy matchups unquote that card actually is like 
really sick when it stays in play. Like, there were... But yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely can imagine that kind of stalling out the board. I mean, similar, it's, it's essentially young pyromancer in a lot of ways, but it triggers off of non-creature spells, right? Or is it still instant and sorcery? Yeah, no, it's non-creature spells, so, like, every time you flash back a mission's bobble with your emery, you're getting a trigger, and your breach is triggering it, and yeah, it, the card was really impressive. Um, and I also played with the Hall of Heliod's Generosity for the first time, and Ooh. that card was very good. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I guess being able to set up Breach turn after turn after turn until it finally lands is pretty sweet. Yes. Uh, I played against... Uh, I played against Storm, and they like countered my Breach, and I was like, okay, put it back on top, crack the Soul Guide Lantern, cast it again, same turn, still kill you. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> I played against Control, and I just like played a Value Breach, and did with like more permanents in play than them and the same number of cards in hand and they're like yeah and then I just like untap cast all these cards in my hand and then the next turn I was like well I emptied out my hand so play another breach <laughs> it's just like uh, yeah and like it, it, it's one of those things that like as it's, as it's happening it doesn't seem I don't know if you have the same experience or your opponents have had the same experience but like as you're kind of like you know quote unquote spinning your wheels it's just like okay well you cracked Mishra's Bobble, like, four times, but you didn't really do anything, so, like, I guess, whatever. And then you draw your five cards at the end of the turn, and like, wait, what? Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. That, like, Breach is just such a good magic card, and it's, like, that's the thing, like, I, I don't know. Yes, this deck is a combo deck, but it's also just a collection of powerful cards, and, like, you can one-for-one one people all day, but you're just, like, kind of generating value at the same time. Um, like, I... Again, in one of my control matchups, we just, like, one-for-one one back and forth. And I was like, okay, you have two cards in hand? And they're like, yep. And I was like, okay, play this Breach. I have a board now, and you don't. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> so good. Uh, you have to answer me this question. Did you use your Hall of Helia Generosity to give yourself back Urza Saka? I did. Oh, my gosh. That's so much value. It was Love. not relevant. I killed them no. the next turn. But I, <laughs> okay. but I did do it. Hmm. Okay, that's cool. Ah oh, man, yeah, that seems sweet. Like though, I, I still I know why it's an enchantment, but I feel like it really should not be an enchantment for no, numerous reasons, um, which I'm not going to get into here. But it, the fact that it is an enchantment means that this is it. It's really nice with with the hall in this deck, which I think is really really nice. I'd honestly be happier if it wasn't an enchantment because. I am very sick of going Urza Saga, Amulet of Vigor, and then getting them both Force of Vigor. Yeah, God, so bad. Uh, my only so I don't think I don't think we talked about this. We didn't talk about this. No, we did talk about this on the show, but we didn't talk. It didn't make the air because we had to cut it. So I, I talked tweeted about this on Twitter. Um, you know, like you tweet places. Anyways, um, Urza Saga is really weird in my mind for numerous reasons. But obviously, it's Enchantment Land, uh, but the fact is. Uh, Terra Thunder, which is a card we talked about on the show, uh, it's like that green with the black kicker, right? So it exiles an artifact or enchantment, um, but if it's kicked, it can just it can exile a non-land permanent. It can exile Urza Saga not kicked, but once you kick it, it can't target Saga anymore, which I think is a really bizarre situation for that card to to be able to miss. 
Like, I don't want... That's the only card... The, one of the few interactions I can think of where a card gets unplayable once it's kicked. You know, for this particular target, at least. It's just, it's just weird. I don't know. That's weird. Anyways, people should play this deck. They should play Scam. I mean, they shouldn't play Scam because it's miserable to play against. But, uh, you know, if you want to do well in Modern, play this. <laughs> play Scam. Uh, I also think the Mono Red Prowess deck... Well, the Red Blue Prowess deck that plays Breach mm -hmm. is also busted. Because, again, Breach is just a really good magic card. Um, yeah, and was it, I was going to say, like, we also had... Was it in across the sea we had uh the four seasons tournament and i mean like there are definitely some similarities i i want to say just ac across magic in general but like we end up seeing the scam deck uh popping up you know in this event uh with a mateo brushi um uh, playing scam but you're not seeing a lot of the same decks um there is obviously blue red as well um, they're actually playing uh, two Merktides as well, so that seems like some, some consistency there. Uh, three Legend Shredders as well. Um, but if you're talking about the Four Seasons event, which, which by the way, uh, 484 players, which is a fantastic size for an event like this, uh, some slightly different decks, right? Uh, we haven't seen things like Crashing Footfalls in a while. Wait, yes, uh, we have. What? Really? Well, not in the... I feel like we haven't seen it in like, a lot of top eights. Yes, we have. Also, did you actually look at the Rhinos list? Uh, not really. Uh, was there anything spicy in there? It's playing Bloodbraid Elf. Oh, okay. So, like, an additional... I guess that makes sense, right? I mean, like, you're gonna have some three drops you can hit. Well, I mean, what three drops are you hitting? You can hit you're your Cascade spells. Cascade spells, yeah. So, you either hit... Cascade spells, or... Or you can oh, hit, like... Blood Moon. You can hit Blood Moon. Yeah, you can hit Blood Moon, you can hit your Cascade spells, you can hit your Dead Gone. Okay. That's pretty good. I mean, I like that. A little, little more consistency, I think. Yeah, I kind of like that in the flex slot. And did you happen to notice which deck top eight it twice? I think it was Merfolk, right? Blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and not a deck that I associate with, you know, top tier modern play. I'll say no, no offense to any merfolk aficionados out there. Just you know, especially some of these cards. Like maybe, maybe I just missed it. Like I know, like uh, Vidalian Hexcatcher has been, you know, popping up. Like obviously, I think adding a new lord's good. I think Tide Shaper is really impressive in the modern format right now. Uh, I haven't seen the Rashad and Dockhand though. Uh, that seems. That's new to me, at least. Uh, for those who don't remember, it's the uh, one blue for a one-two merfolk. It has island walk, and it you can tap it for a, a colorless and tap it to tap a target land. Um, it's just a, I mean, it's, it's Rashad in port, right? On a on a on a creature, but I'm just very surprised to have seen it here. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it in Merfolk before, but it's it's just crazy to me that this deck had two copies in the or three copies in the top eight of Vegas, or top thirty two of Vegas, whatever, and then two copies in the top eight of this. So, I don't know about you, but I I might be you gonna, convinced. I'm convinced. You gonna swim with the fishes? Huh? Are you gonna swim with the fishes? 
I might try it, you know? Okay. I have a feeling I'm going to start typing the cards into Mana Traders and go, I can't do this. Um, yeah. But if anyone, you know, is not a hater like me, I <laughs> the results speak for themselves. Like, it has, it has to be doing something right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, honestly, I, it's hard for me to even speak to what's happening here, but, like... <laughs> I, I do think Tide Shaper is very, very good. I mean, like we talked about Earth Saga a little bit ago, just being able to kill an Earth Saga with the Tide Shaper, I think is, is relevant. Uh, but also, I even feel like the mana in general in this format is kind of sketchy. Just in general, I think people are have very stretched out mana bases. They're very dependent on you know, a, you know, hitting four mountains or something like that, right? Like you know, talking about creativity uh, or hitting four swamps in t- in terms of that. I can't even think about that mortuary, which is cottage nonsense, right? So, like, I do think you have a really big benefit just being able to turn lands into islands. I think subtlety is just really solid. Um, and also, like, if this is the best Aether Vial deck, like, that's not a bad thing. Like, I, I constantly talk about that card being probably underrepresented. I think it's more powerful than people give it credit for. So, it having a spot in modern makes sense to me the the one and it, not that it's new at this point but i know was sylvian new sylvian of sea and sky right that's another i guess pull to the deck um i still don't know how po- popular that, or powerful that card actually is like it is another one of those ones that seems like it's not it's really strong once you're doing your thing okay okay i can see that yeah, I just, it, it's one of those cards, every time I see it in play, I'm, like, not scared, and it gets managed, like, dealt with pretty handily. But I also play decks I don't think that that are as worried about it as some other people might. So, I, I guess I'm probably not the best audience for it. But, I mean, I don't know. Uh, it, it definitely seems like a, a deck we, we at least need to try to play at least once just to see what the deal is. I don't know. Again, I think with some of the cards I've been playing with lately, I, I know Ward is very powerful, so maybe it's maybe it's good enough. I I don't know. I'm I'm done talking about modern. Unless you there's something else you want to talk about here, but I want to start talking about legacy. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. All right, and once again, I'm super pumped just because with Eternal Weekend, I'm trying to make sure I defend my my crown for as long as I can. Because uh, I'm still the most recent North American <laughs> uh, Eternal Weekend champion. I'm holding that until I lose it. So, trying to make sure that I'm as prepared as possible. And I feel like a lot of our listeners are also trying to be as prepared as possible. Um, they We did have some major legacy events recently, you know, with uh, four seasons that I think are going to have an influence on what people are going to be playing or trying to do. And one thing, I think I could be wrong too. It looks like the legacy main event was 480 players. I think it's actually in order as well but for this one, as opposed to the last one that we looked at. Yes. Okay. So in general, I mean, like going through the list pretty, pretty quickly. Um, the winners list: uh, Lorenzo uh, Renoscia. The deck is pretty stock. Really, nothing super spicy. Um, we do see a copy of Death Shadow 
uh, which I think is not a bad answer, right? If you're if you're worried about playing Delver matchups all day, like playing Shadow is not the worst. Uh, I'm not sure if that's something I would I would be interested in doing though. I think, but I I definitely see the appeal here. You know, I do think that both Snuff Out and Baleful Strikes are really good right now. So I get the appeal to Dash Shadow. I it's a hard deck to want to play because I mm-hmm. feel like you know if they just get one hit in with a Mer- like your opponent gets one hit in with a Murktide Regent, you might just lose. Um, mm-hmm. And also with like the initiative being probably like the second most played deck right now, and they're playing four Swords of Plashers and four Solitudes, it's uh, I would have a hard time wanting to register Death Shadow, but I do get the appeal. Yeah. Good old uh, Francis Cowper playing uh, Cephalid Breakfast, which I know is a deck, I think you, you bought into a, a couple of the pieces, right? The things you were missing? Yeah, I still need to actually, I don't own Stoneforge Mystics. Um, and I don't own Aether Files. Okay. I know Francis likes playing without the Aether Files, and I, his list does look pretty good to me. So I just need to buy the Stoneforge Mystics, which I actually have enough store credit to buy, so um, mm-hmm. nothing really stopping me. I, I'm kind of excited. He top-aided like, the last Showcase Challenge with this deck. He top-aided this now, so I'm, ex- I'm excited to see how he does in the Showcase Qualifier. My hope would be that he loses to me in the finals, but <laughs> but course. I do I do hope he does well because it's a cool deck. Yeah, yeah, definitely a really solid deck. I mean, and like this is one of those decks too. Like if you're not really sure what's happening, you can you can really just lose out of nowhere. But even if you know what's going on, you can still just lose out of nowhere. Like the deck is is very powerful, and you know the the fact to just have a combo that you know could just kill you. Is, is very good, but you can just die to like the Stoneforge Mystic, Culture Complete on three, beat down plan. Yeah. So this deck reminds me, um, this is going to sound like a really weird comparison, but I promise I'm going somewhere. It kind mm-hmm. of reminds me of like Breach and Modern, because like you start off with like a reasonable deck, right? You have like your Blue Red Mark Tide, or like your Asper Stone Blade would be the comparison here. And you kind of just take out some of those more controlling aspects and then add this combo finish. And you get like this very similar deck uh, that can do a lot of the same, like, I'm going to play the long game, grind you out, but it can also just go, you know, you weren't doing that much, so I'm just going to combo you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's the, we see that too in Legacy with uh, Samantha Murphy's like Grixis Tempo Doomsday deck, where. You know, I'm I'm just gonna sit here and play some fair magic, and if you decide, you know what, let's like let's tap out. Like, okay, I'm gonna kill you, Doomsday. Now you messed up. Um, having that backup plan to just end the game immediately, I think is really powerful. And even if it does lead to you to playing some cards that are not always the most powerful, um, that kind of escape clause from a bad situation. Um, or really just shutting the door from a, a game that's, you know, 60% to win to making it 100 all of a sudden is, is obviously very good. Um, and I think one of the decks that we... I, I don't know if you want to get into this super heavily now or if you want to talk about this a little bit later, um, but, you know, we're seeing the Mono White Initiative deck really put a stamp on the format. Uh, people are making very bold adjustments to try to you know fix you know, fix or help the matchup there 
Uh, I don't know if you want to get into all that right now, but I, I feel like I do want to talk about it. Yeah, I feel like point. we talk about that at the end. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this deck did uh, make top eight here. Um, we'll talk more about that a little bit later. Um, do you got a copy of the blue-white Shark Typhoon, kind of Brian Koval style here? Uh, you know, Narsets, you got Prismatic Ending, but you also do have the Shark Typhoons. Uh, unfortunately, no copies of Hall of Heliath Generosity, but what are you going to do? Um, one copy of Days Undoing. This is a deck I feel like that really came into the format, did some stuff, and then, like, unless you're named Brian Koval, you're, you're probably not playing this deck anymore. Yeah, I, I still think that the Days Undoing is just, like, so clunky. I, I don't know. I am generally underwhelmed by Shark Typhoon, unless it's being hardcast, even though people tell me it's bad when you hardcast Shark Typhoon. Um, I don't know, I'm just, like, not scared of my opponent being like, oh, I spent, like, six mana to get, like, a 4-4 four, four flyer that mm. dies to every, like, <laughs> everything. Yeah, I, the the cycling needs to be good, when and when it's good, it's great, right? But I, I am not super overwhelmed. I think if, and this is one of the cards, I think it's actually better in Legacy than it is in Modern or, or Pioneer. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but, um, you know, being able to cycle and, you know, maybe just trade for something on the ground, like a 1-1 uh, Dragon Reach Channeler or even like a Elvish Visionary, right? A, a three-mana kill spell, draw card, that's actually not... That, I'm fine with that, personally. Uh, but, you know, it's not... It doesn't feel really legacy powerful, it's just there just happens to be some creatures that just die uh, that have because they have low toughness, so... It's fine. Uh, we do get a copy of Delver. Once again, fairly stock. Nothing super spicy there. Um, the one thing, though, I, that I think interesting, at least, that we're starting to see is that more people playing uh, green in the sideboard, or green for their sideboard, I guess. Um, they're playing one Tropical Island and then some copies of Minsk and Boo, Timeless Heroes, which I, I think, if you're going to splash for a green card in the format right now, that's probably the best one. I think Minsk and Boo has definitely shown that it's very, very powerful uh, against basically everybody. Yeah, card is uh, <laughs> card is real good against basically every deck that's not Delver. Mm-hmm. And we are also starting to see Torpor Orb come up, come back a little bit more in sideboards, uh, just because it, it does do some stuff against, you know, the mainly the, the initiate, uh, initiative deck, but it also we are seeing like an uptick in like Doomsday and stuff like that. So yeah, Torpor seems like a decent addition. Yeah, yeah, but I, I would want to talk more about that at the end though. Just yeah, for sure. Any any changes uh, at the end. <laughs> okay. Uh a little bit more Delver. We've got uh Justin Janari. Uh congrats to Justin. Uh making top eight with Painter, which I think the fact is I think this deck is Obviously, it dropped off a little bit, which is a shame. Uh, I think this deck is still really, really good. I like the the Brave Apprentice and the uh, Fable and the Mirror Brickers have been impressive to me, but also the the uh, Twin Shot Sniper. Uh, I have lost a lot of good good creatures to Twin Shot Sniper, so uh, just shout out to Justin for a good top eight. Yep. Uh, fun fact: he actually borrowed the deck from Callum Smith. 
Town chose to play initiative in the in the main, uh, so this is his deck. So it's still putting up results. Yeah, absolutely. That's pretty cool. Um, going over, also still at the Four Seasons event, they also did have the uh, European Legacy Masters. Uh, end up being won by the uh, Mono White Initiative deck. Uh, we do see some copy a copy of uh, Reanimator, which is, I think, a deck that I think we can all expect to see from from time to time. Never, never really a bad deck. Uh, another copy of Mono White Initiate. We've got. Uh, it's thing. worth knowing, noting that the copy in third place, uh, piloted by Tagoras, friend of the cast who we've had on before, mm-hmm. um, is actually splashing red too for Caves oh, of yeah. Chaos Adventurer. Which is the card I, I really have enjoyed. I, I'm playing it in EDH, of course, but uh, it is a really interesting way to get card advantage, just being able to attack and exile the top card of your library. And, you know, sometimes it's a, a land, which isn't, like, the worst, uh, but sometimes it is something like, you know, touch the spirit realm, or maybe it's another seasoned dungeon, dungeoneer, and suddenly you're delving or venturing further into the dungeon, and, you know, it gets out of control pretty quickly. And, you know especially in a deck like this, where you have all these triggers, it's not unreasonable that you're just going to get through the dungeon and you can just start casting your spells for free off the Cave of Chaos Adventurer, which seems, like, extra sweet. Let's see if there's anything else super, super interesting. Uh, nope, just some more Delver. We see some Cyborg stuff. Uh, Kai? Kai made top eight of this? Oh, awesome. Okay. You sounded so surprised. Kai's a very good player. Kai's a great player, yeah. I just I just didn't realize that he made top eight. I did not see the top eight of this one. This one's new to me. Uh yeah, Kai and Kai's playing like a, a classic doomsday, not like a tempo, just you know, four copies of personal shooter, uh, two copies of Thassa's Oracle, I guess would be the, the most interesting thing there. But I mean obviously really solid finish by a really great player. Um a couple of copies of Shieldred in the sideboard, though. I, I like that. That's a nice thing to throw people off post-board. Um, and then we also have um, Mark Eric Voigt playing a, like a four-color uh, Uro Minskin Boo pile, which, once again, never a bad thing. That ends up just winning games. Uh, we do have another copy of... Uh, Cephalid Breakfast. We have two copies of Cephalid Breakfast. Excuse you. Oh, we do. Jeez, yeah. Two copies of Cephalid Breakfast. Oh, man, Peter, going out for lunch. Okay. Cool. So, I mean, this is, once again, a pretty diverse uh, couple of top eights. Um, different, we've seen different decks than we normally see if we were in the, the U.S., but, I mean, I assume that this is going to be something that is kind of influential going into this weekend for the North American Eternal Weekend. All right. Uh, do you want to, do you want to talk about the boogeyman now? Can we can we? Yeah. So I, I I don't necessarily want to call it the boogeyman, but I will say the presence of initiative has changed the format significantly. Um, I think it burst onto the scene and everybody was terrified. Oh my god, sky's falling! It's the best deck ever. Blah 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 blah. Whatever. It is really good. <laughs> Nobody is saying it's not really good. But first of all. I would say the boogeyman of the format is, it has been for a long time, Delver of Secrets, right? Or that's the police of the format. Mm-hmm. And from what I'm hearing, from what I'm seeing, 
Dover is slightly ahead against the stacks, though. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's it, at the end of the day, like you are doing a lot of similar things that you were uh, with the like mono red stompy list, right? But like you don't have Blood Moon, which is you know was really good versus Delver, but obviously this deck's not playing that. Um, you do get access to things like, you know, Thalia is pretty good. You do get access to things like Touchless Spirit Realm, which, especially when you channel it, is pretty devastating. You know, for, like, a a uh, Murktide Regent, something like that. Um, but, like, your odds of resolving a Palace Jailer on 4 mana isn't isn't particularly high. Uh, <laughs> so, you, you have a lot more time, and I, I'm sure you've, I know you've seen it, like, there's a lot of times where they get the initiative and then you just take it and then they never get it back. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a very different matchup than, you know, what we saw with other stompy decks, uh, in versus Delver. Yeah. And it is worth noting. They are going to resolve some number of palace trailers. They have cavern of souls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you kind of overstated how easy, like you made it sound easier than it is to just steal initiative from them and keep it. Yeah. But it, it definitely does happen. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the matchup, I think I think it's close, to be clear. I don't think it's like, oh yeah, Delver's the big strong hero, it'll save us, don't worry. Like, it's it's still very close. Um, I, and I've heard certain initiative players say they think they're favored, but just that's not really what the numbers are bearing out. Um, but anyways, people are still, you know, you do kind of have to adapt to it if, like, if the matchup is that close and you expect the deck to be prevalent. So s- some things that we're seeing is we've seen, um, oh, God, I can't think of the name of it now. The one in a red card. Unchained Berserker. Unchained Berserker. <sighs> Billy, what does that card do? <laughs> I hate that card. Okay, so it's one, one generic in a red for a 1-1 one, one, uh, Human Berserker. It does have pro white. And it also gets a plus two plus O oh while it's attacking. So it is a very good way to punch through. Uh, but it is also a, a pretty good blocker in defense if you need that. Kind of, I think, actually. I, I don't know even know if it's that good of a blocker. And this sounds very petty, but like, I don't know if people have read Season Dungeoneer. I don't think Season Dungeoneer necessarily always cares about you having pro white on your on your creature season dungeoneer does give pro creatures <laughs> yeah uh, so it's a good way to get the initiative back to kind of like keep parity with that effect at least but like i kind of want it to block <laughs> and, it, and it doesn't do that so like i'm a little less interested in it yeah so if you're I think the Berserker stock goes up if you are a Delver player who's on Unholy Heat, because then you can like clear the season Dungeoneer, and then you can take the initiative, and then you can block for days. Um, and another concern with the season dungeon, or not season dungeon, another concern with the Berserker is it does have one toughness, like you mentioned, and mm. you might say, well, that's not a problem because like they're pro white, um, but some number of initiative players have started playing Gutshot in their sideboard. And if you are an initiative player, this is, like, a reasonable thing to do. Uh, mm. So the Gutshot, A, it kills this thing. Um, B, it uh, can kill a lot of the creatures out of Elves, which is a problematic matchup. And, I mean, that's really what it's there for. It's kind of yeah. to beat the tech that beats you. 
Uh, it also beats, there is another white card that I can't think of the name of, but it's just a single Ooh. white mana 1-1 one, one yeah. that is yeah. pro-white. <laughs> um, my brain, I, I'm going to look it up because I, I know I know it. It, if, um, it doesn't matter. No, but the name with the it's like empty shrine, kabushi or something like something that. Something like that. I, I guess shrine I should. I guess I, I should clarify. It doesn't actually have pro white. It has protection from colors among permanents you control, which means it has yeah. pro white. It has pro white, yeah. Uh, so gutshot also kills that. Uh, so you might be going, oh, like you said to help the sideboard, and now you're saying unchained berserker is bad. What should I do? Glance your name nemesis. It's just cost more, but it is less narrow. Um, you know, like you bring in Unchained Berserker against like control. It's like, yeah, they can't swords it, but they're just gonna put an arrow in front of it or like block it with like an ice fang quaddle or baleful strix and you're gonna be big mad and they're gonna laugh at you. Nobody likes being laughed at. So true name nemesis is less narrow, it'll steal the initiative back for you just fine. It'll pitch to your Force of Wills, which is always cool. Uh, so that is definitely something that you could play. Uh, another card that's gone on the uptick, like we talked about, is Torpor Orb. And I will say, Torpor Orb can be... Torpor Orb's a little bit awkward, because if they just go turn one initiative guy, and then you play a Torpor Orb afterwards, like, yes, it stops them from venturing further, but you still mm-hmm. need to be able to do more. Um, so I, I do think Torpor Orb is good, but it can't be your plan by no. itself. That's very important. Like, don't look at Torpor Orb. Don't, like, don't grab two of them, put them in your deck and go, okay, I fixed it. Like, <laughs> I will win the matchup because no, no you will not. Um, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Torpor Orb, too, because I, I think Torpor Orb and Trinity Nemethyth both kind of have this, like, secondary effect where they, they're obviously good versus other decks, too. Like, Torpor Orb... Um, it's obviously very good versus Doomsday. It's a it's a card that they have trouble answering once it's on the board, um, and getting into play, you know, on turn two might just be the game uh, in that matchup. Uh, and same deal with Trinity Nemesis, right? During versus a control deck or in the mirror if you're playing Delver, right? Having Trinity Nemesis on the board uh, might just be the reason why you win. Being able to sneak in three points at a time over you know three or four turns, uh, or having something that resolves that is able to you know, knock out a Narset or something like that. That's not going to get targeted by a Pyroblast once it's in play. Like, there's a lot of really nice benefits there that if you have, you know, need a little uh, push towards one matchup or another, you can be flexible. And there are some decks that could play either one. I, I could I could play True Name or I could play Torpor Orb. Um, or maybe I could play something like, we'll say, like Gloom, right? Um, if I am interested in trying to beat... Um, the initiative deck, but also trying to have some matchup versus, like, death and taxes, right? Having something that's a little bit better there. So, I don't know. I think the flexibility there is, is really interesting, um, once again, depending on what you want to try to fight. Yeah. Um, so, if you are an initiative player, I'm seeing a lot of them play Lauren of the Third Path in their sideboard, um, which is, like, kind of that white Rex Sage, which is a good card. I would not play it. Um, here's the thing like if people are playing Torborb against you and then you bring in Lauren as your answer for artifacts and they have a Torborb <laughs> in play then you look stupid um, like it, you know 
and when they don't have Torbor Lauren's great. Like I'm not saying it's not the fact that you can Caracas it and replay it is really good. But I think you're better off playing mm-hmm. Cathar Commando. Um, I, I don't know. Like maybe I'm wrong, but I I think I'm right. <laughs> Obviously, or I wouldn't say it. Um, no, I I think you're I think you're definitely right. I mean, like this. Like, like we said, Torpor was something that people are using to attack this deck. Um, something like uh, Curse Totem is not. So I think edging towards that is, is probably a good call. Another thing uh, in response to this deck is, you know, you might see people dropping some number of Narsets. Uh, people might start dropping Pirate Blast from their main deck. So that's something you can consider, right? Uh you know, Pirate Blast is always going to be dead in some number of matchups, so, like, maybe it's fine, but it does feel a little bit silly if you, like, open a hand and you have two Pirate Blasts and then your opponent's just like, play this mm-hmm. white thing. <laughs> so it's just worth noting that that's going to happen a little bit more frequently, and you either have to proactively change your deck or just, like, accept that you're going to be sad about that. Uh in terms of removal, you really want cheap, efficient removal against them. So, like, and you know, there's been an increase in snuff outs. Like, uh, L's currently, some people are on up to four main deck snuff outs. Uh, and that's... <laughs> it's, uh... You know, it's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good against this deck, because then you can commit to the board uh, while also killing their stuff. It's... Looks, you know, can look pretty bad against something like Delver sometimes. I just watched Billy <laughs> Dave's snuff out, so and that good. was... <laughs> yeah, that, oh, that looked real bad. So definitely don't play it into days, but, like, I will say, you know, snuff outing a Murktide region mm-hmm. still also looks good. Um, cards like Baleful Strix and Ice Fink Bottle, I think, go up slightly in stock. Um, just having... Having flyers so you can get the initiative back for them, but also just like these really good blockers. Uh, again, you know, can't block season dungeon air unless you have like a dress down out, but they are kind of good at what they do. Uh, Menskin Boo, a card that was already great, is really good against the initiative deck. So that goes up in stock. It's really good at taking the initiative back. It's also just really good at everything. True, yeah. That's a different story. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think of other things about the initiative deck. There still doesn't really seem to be a consensus about Archon versus Anointed Peacekeeper versus whatever else. I, you know, I do think a lot of people are going to play Anointed Peacekeeper because that's what XJ did, um, and he had the highest profile finish, so, like, I think people will follow that, but... It's hard to know. I mean, my other thing about the initiative deck that I think is kind of kind of interesting is that I, I've seen some versions that are playing a full playset of Chalice of the Void, and I've seen some lists that are not playing Chalice at all. Uh, which, you know, for for me, it's kind of confusing. Like, do I actually need to bring in my meltdowns, or do I just keep them in the sideboard? Are they going to be dead if I bring them in here? That is a good point. Um, some people have the chalice in the sideboard and swords in the main. Some people have it the other way around. Some people only have one or the other. I do think we're going to see primarily swords in the main, chalice in the sideboard. Uh, I have heard some people say that they are planning to just have both versus Delver postboard. Because you want swords to be able to deal with Murktide, but also like 
you know, a chalice is pretty good against that deck. So, like, I... I think you're supposed to bring in the Meltdown, because it can always hit, like, Chrome Moxes and Chalice of the Voids. Um, well, and the Chalices if they're there, but always the Chrome Moxes. But you can yeah, always just brainstorm sure. it away. I think it... I think it's high enough upside. Okay, yeah. Because, once again, that is obviously a devastating card for, I mean, a lot of players. I mean, playing playing a Storm, playing something like that, uh, Griffith's Doomsday, uh, you might not be able to beat you know, some art problematic artifact, so... Not a bad, not a bad point. Um, uh, that, be, that being said, you know, I did talk about mm-hmm. meltdowning the Chromax. Trying to attack their mana is not always a great plan, right? Because if they resolve White Plume Adventurer, then they're just going to get a plane, so then they probably have, like, two planes, and, you know, they really mm-hmm. only need three to get going. Um, but, it, but it is worth noting that it can happen and be relevant, so definitely look for the times it is relevant, but don't go in thinking, Oh yeah, I've got wasteland in my deck. They're screwed. Uh, something else too, the that I've seen actually watching uh, Samantha Murphy. Um, but Samantha was playing uh, and actually put it put it on tw- it was on Twitch, so uh, you can go back. I'll just try to see if I can link it. Um, but you know, they attack and they attack. It's like really awkward. And it's like, well, why would you try to attack your creatures into like your two three and your three three into uh, four four Murktide? The Aganjo Seed of the Empire is just something you need to be aware of. Uh, is it something that all you always need to play around? No, but like there are some situations where their only way of getting creature off the board is throwing it into Aganjo. Um, so you might not want to attack with something that is holding down their board, um, or you might be just aware of the fact that they might be trying to set up a, a two for one, and you know, at their loss, right? But still. Um, it might be a, a combat trick more than anything else. I have been got by a ganjo way more times <laughs> than I should have. Like, you'd think at some point I would go, okay, a ganjo is a card that exists and start playing around it, but apparently I'm just not. I mean, like, depending on what you're trying to do, right? Like, am I just never going to attack? Like, I need to attack eventually, but uh, and you're playing, you know, green-white. You have knights that can eventually get more than uh, four toughness, like, maybe waiting a turn or two is, is worthwhile, right? Maybe in, instead of attacking with two 3-3 three, three knights, you attack with one 3-3 three, three knight and have the other one back up so you can, you know, go fetch go fetch up a fetch land and crack that, and then, you know, you have a 5-5 five, five instead. Like, I, I think that's just kind of what you have to do, at least, or be, be aware of. Like, maybe it's not always right. Maybe they don't have the mana, uh, but... I don't know. It it is definitely a card that I've gotten got by a lot more than I'm proud of. Um, so just something to something to see. Yeah, no, I just I just do stupid things like I just throw things away in Naganjo and in both Modern and Legacy from a variety of decks. It's it's bad. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But going back to the stack, you know, I'll say for the showcase qualifier, I. Um, you know, made my list of decks I think are a reasonable choice. And I have a friend who is getting ready for Eternal Weekend, and he's playing Mono White, so he wanted some last-minute... Like, he wanted to get some games in to, like, make sure he was comfortable sequencing, and, like, uh, he wanted to talk about sideboard plans and stuff like that. And I was like, perfect. I'm trying to figure out which of these decks are good against Mono White. And, you know, the deck is definitely beatable, and it might just take some reps honestly like so i played against this deck 
basically five straight hours yesterday. I stopped for lunch. Um, and I, I also think the games are actually very interesting. And like one of the decks uh, that I was playing against it started off and he was like, I, I made a comment. I was like, okay, this feels good. Like this might actually be my choice for the event. And he was like, this feels good to you? Because I think the matchup's good for me. And I was like, no, like, I think it feels good. And then, like, we kept playing, and over time, I was just, like, winning more and more and more. And that's one of the things. It's like, it's like anything else. There's some amount of learning curve, right? Like, if you play against it the first deck, or first time, I mean, you might lose just because you're not familiar with what you're supposed to do or when you're supposed to do it. But if you manage to get a couple games in against it before this weekend... Like you can, mm. you can beat it. Uh, the deck's beatable. Like it's. I mean, it's still really good. But like, I, I won through my opponent playing a turn one initiative guy uh, when I was on a fair deck. I won. I there. I had a game where I took the initiative from my opponent, and I went through oh. the whole undersea. <laughs> um, so you know, you can mm-hmm. you can beat this deck. Combo decks can definitely beat it, especially if they're not mm-hmm. going to play Chalice in the main. Um, you know, Archon is obviously a beating, so definitely have a plan for all their hate bears. But, you know, I've even seen things like uh, yeah, Brotherhood's yeah. End. Uh, I, th- I think that's actually a great card against this deck out of Delver. It kills every creature they play other than Seasoned Dungeoneer, mm-hmm. and it can clean up the artifacts. So, you know, I think that's actually probably a better choice than Belgium. Yeah, and if you... It- that card, I know, has been uh, spiking, not to once to go, go into the financials here, but it, it has gone up in price significantly, and I know people have been trying to, you know, pick them up. I wouldn't plan on them being available at Eternal Weekend. I I would try to get them before you come to the event, just in case. Uh, it's worth thinking about what decks this might push out. Like, the existence of this means you might see less mm-hmm. mono red. Like, I think... I think players are still going to play Mono Red, but, you know, a lot of those players are going to switch to this. This is the new hotness. I think a lot of Death and Taxes players might switch to this because I don't actually think they really play out that similarly. But, you know, if you already have the cards and this is just going to be the stronger deck, like, I think you'll see some number of people in this. You'll still see some number of people with their Aether Files and (laughs) their Rashad and Ports going, nah, my deck's better, but... I think uh, Acast is in the same kind of bubble of, of decks that play similar cards that, you know, I, I already have my Ancient Tombs, I already have my City of Traders, like, let's let's go. And they're going to switch to something like this. This deck will be really popular, but it's definitely beatable. Just gotta mm-hmm. put in the work. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's any other trends that have come up as a result of this deck. Uh, no, I mean, like, you mentioned some of the changes to sideboards um, between the... Berserkers and the uh, Trinity Nemesis. You know, I have seen one thing in like things like Gloom. Um, yeah, I don't know if those cards are necessary or not. Yeah, I, I haven't. I don't think they're. I don't think they're that good. I think trying to attack them on that axis just feels excessive. I guess it's probably the best way to say it. Yeah, like I, I I've seen some anarchies, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, that's so narrow. Yeah, and like I, I I love me some anarchy. Don't get me wrong, but like I'm not really trying to do that um i think you can get enough value just playing other stuff i but you know maybe maybe i'm wrong like i think there's enough stuff you could do like um and this sounds kind of random too but going through the dungeon um you you can get benefits off of things like 
containment priest, right? Because like the last thing in the dungeon that you get the creature from from there, like that's not. I don't think that's great. I think that's very once again a little bit not what you want to be doing. Um, I, I am expecting, and I, I could be wrong on how this actually plays out. I am expecting to see a couple more wrath out of the kind of control decks. Like I think that's something you do need to clean up and not get out of control. Um, I. And I think I mentioned this before. Um, there was a video that uh, Thraven you did um, with the red white version that was like playing like Winota, and you know, kind of snowballing like that. Like, obviously, you don't have to be playing that kind of version of the deck to do well, but I think this deck can get out of control very quickly and a lot quicker than people realize. So I think it's important that people have a plan to cut this down very quickly because once you get two or three initiative creatures coming into play it's it's just hard to catch up in general like they are they are very mean in multiples yeah dress down another card mm-hmm. that's going to go up in stock because if you dress down in response to their creature then they won't venture in uh so that's really nice uh stifle kind of a similar thing also this is like not a deck building or play style thing but just know how the initiative works going into this event. I don't care if you're on the deck. uh, Just know how it works. Like, it happens at your upkeep, um, Mm -hmm. which is very odd. Make sure that you are tracking, like, who properly who has it. Uh, Make sure you pay attention to where you were in it if you lose it, and vice versa. Um, And make sure you just know what the paths Mm -hmm. look like going into this weekend. Like... You know, there's the typical way that people go where they go in, they get their land, they put two counters on something, then they hit you for five. But, like, you need to be aware of, like, when they could go to your creature instead. That's, like, incredibly relevant. And, you know, you want to pay attention to if they're going to draw a card or do something else. Like, remember that when they get their creature off of the final stage, that it has hexproof. Like, that's super relevant. Uh, remember Season Dungeoneer's wording, because there are a lot of words on that card. Like, I lost the game yesterday because I did the math and I forgot to account for it exploring. Mm, Uh, And I was like, okay, they're going to attack, I'm going to go to one, like, I'm going to win on the crackback. And, like, the game was 100% winnable, but, like, I just lost because I was like, okay, like, 5 plus 5 equals 10, but then it explored, so it was a sex. Just, you know, make sure you are aware of these things. Yeah, the the most common way you're going to see people going in is going, obviously, is to go to the secret entrance, which gets you a basic land, uh, putting two 1-1 one, one counters on your creature, then target player loses five life. Um, in the trap room, you go to the archives, you draw a card, and uh, like Mapson said, the throne of the of the dead three, uh, where you get that, that free creature. That's a hundred, I'm going to say 99% of the time that your opponents are going to do it. That's the route they're going to take. You think so? I think that's wrong. What, what? Yes. After playing <laughs> after playing mm-hmm. against the deck for five hours, uh, you would be surprised how often uh, you have to go through the other side. And I've played with the deck some too, and I've like, yes, it is most mm-hmm. common to go through the left side, but the right side mm-hmm. is very okay. relevant. Yeah. Uh, once again, the the times I've my my experience with this card is from EDH, um, so. I have basically looped the the trap room over, well, 
the left side over and over again to, to trap people out of the game. Um, I have goaded people um, because I, I kind of needed to not die, but yeah, I mean, if it if it happens, I make sure there has to be situations, right, where goading is correct and you need a blocker so you make the 4-1 skeleton. Like, that makes sense. Yeah, the only one of these I haven't done is create a tractor token. Actually, no, I have done okay. that. Yeah, I mean, it definitely makes sense. There are situations where scrying two is better than putting two one one creatures or tokens or two one one counters on a creature, right? Like, you know, you might not have a creature to put counters on, so that seems kind of loose. Uh, scrying two might just be like the only reasonable option for you. Also, do you just to, to make sure I'm not um, messing this up too? Do you have to go? Like, if I go from the secret entrance into the fort, do I have to put two one one counters on a creature? Oh, okay. Because that's, yes. that's not, like, target creature you control. It's just target creature. So, like, if you go to the forge, you might have to actually target uh, an opponent's creature. That's interesting. Okay, that is something to keep in mind. Interesting. Okay, cool. Well, uh, yeah, and I'm, I don't know if you are in the same thought process, but I, I think that... As far as decks are concerned, decks representation, things like that, I think Delver is still going to be the most popular deck, the most represented deck. I don't think that's... I think a lot of, a lot of things would have to go wildly wrong for that not to be true um, at any large event. So I'm kind of expecting that to still be the number one deck. I'm expecting the this deck, the initiative deck, to be top five, probably. I think that's probably reasonable. Yeah, yeah, I, I expect Delver to be the most played, and okay. this to be the next most played. The one, two. Okay, I could see that. Maybe Control is number two, and Initiative is three, but the deck is relatively cheap and very powerful. Yeah. It is fun. And it's fun, which is, like, weird. <laughs> like, I feel like most people I've talked to are like, I didn't think it would be fun, and then I played it, and it's a blast. I mean, like, you... I guess for, for better or worse, right? Like, you really get to just, like, play Magic, and it this, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I, I feel like it reminds me a lot of Battle Box, where, like, you get the additional effect from initiative, kind of adds, like, a, a kind of fun component to it. Um, or I guess more like um, Planes Chase, almost. I don't know. But the, the, just having that ability to do, like, the extra fun thing, I think, makes it a lot more enjoyable uh, to play with and against. Uh, the little sub-game of trying to actually see if I can actually clear a dungeon before you clear a dungeon, or how do I stop you from um, getting the initiative back? Um, like, Monarch is a very, you know, clearly a powerful mechanic, being able to draw the extra card, uh, but getting these additional effects is still pretty pretty strong. Pretty committed to playing Delver at this point, I mean, believe it or not. I'm definitely going to be making some adjustments for, for this deck, but also just the metagame in general, and you kind of touched on this too, like... This deck obviously is playing main deck Chalice sometimes, uh, but I, I don't think it has a great combo matchup, and that's why I was actually kind of, when I tuned into Samantha Murphy's stream, I was actually hoping that that deck would actually be a really good answer for this deck, and it seems like it's... I didn't get to watch the whole video yet. Um, I think it's like a, a three-and-a-half-hour um, Twitch stream, but uh, the matchups I saw look decent. Um, it looks like, you know... As long as you don't get, you know, basically cheesed out of the game, you you have a good shot. So I didn't 
Uh, her stream is on too late for me to watch. She tweeted this morning that she was switching to Esper because she was sick okay. of losing the initiative. So I'm going to go ahead probably and say good. it's probably okay. not good. Yeah, I was, I was hoping that like there would be a really good combo deck that you would be able to play. And I, I think the only one that really works that fills that void would be something like Elves. So I do expect Elves to have a good kind of weekend this uh, this weekend. So I'm also kind of hedging a little bit towards um, making sure I have a plan for that matchup at least. Reasonable. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about before, you know, we essentially just jam more magic <laughs> in preparation for our other events? Uh, okay. No, it's time I, to go I, eat dinner. I like that plan. All right. Well, in that case, uh, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me in Anorak's Twitch chat this weekend where I will be watching eternal coverage all day if I can help it. I mean, I'll probably actually work during the first part of the day, but, you know, once I leave that work building, I will be glued to his stream, as you should also be. Uh, where can people find you? At Eternal Weekend this uh, this weekend. So I will be there on Saturday and Sunday. I'm debating if I'm going to go there on Friday. Uh, I've got the all-weekend pass, but, like, I really kind of only want to go down for two days, uh, but I'm not sure yet. I will, maybe maybe I'll be convinced to play an event on Friday, but uh, no, I'll be playing Eternal Weekend. Legacy is my my one focus, so um, unless you unless the event is over, um, I'll just be playing that. But I otherwise, once the event is over, I would love to get some CEDH in. So you know, if anyone's out there, if I if I, I do want to try to see if I can get another game in versus Brian Koval because. The last game that we played were a blast. So, but uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, I guess in that case, I will see you later. See you next week. I'll see you next week. Oh, we're gonna do an after that after the outro thing here. Oh, are we? Because uh, yeah, okay, totally. Because I forgot to mention this. Okay, well, I just want to say, I am so excited for Old Porter Dark Depths. Oh my gosh, let's yeah. go! I'm thinking, you know, actually, I'm debating. I think I'm gonna pick up like a couple of them just to like for for patrons. Like maybe it'll be like a giveaway or something like that. Because like, yeah, I, I don't know. I I like I like the other art more mm -hmm. but i have been wanting this in old border fast being safe for so long i also kind of like the the full art one oh, but yeah. i'm not gonna do that yeah i don't i'm not sure about that one I, but i am i'm excited about that yeah that is definitely something i saw and was like oh yeah oh yeah yeah it's happening those are, those are yeah things. uh i uh i am hoping that uh whenever uh you know the artist always sells things mm -hmm. my I would love to buy not not the painting from the new Dark Depths, but the sketch. Oh, the sketch so, would be sweet. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, it'll probably be a bunch of money, and I probably will not be comfortable spending it. But I am definitely going to keep my eyes peeled. Um, so, you know, my birthday's coming up, uh, and we'll probably be like, if I had to guess, within two weeks, one way or the other, of when the sketch goes for sale. So, you know, if anyone wants a uh, Get a nice birthday gift for their favorite content creator. Uh -huh. Just <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's like, a, like it'll probably. I'm sure 
it'll probably sell for eh, 500 bucks at, at minimum, probably. I mean, I, I'm happy spending that on that. Yeah. Well, happy is a stretch. <laughs> I'm overjoyed to spend $500 on <laughs> a sketch. Uh, no, I, I definitely get what you mean. There's definitely some cards, I think, within reason, I would probably spend a, a healthy amount on. But, uh, man, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm definitely, definitely interested in the old border depth. Uh, I'm definitely excited about the uh, Urza. I'm definitely excited about um, the Yogmaw too. The the uh, nah, nah. we're only excited about depths. That's the name. you right. Of the podcast, the end. Are we are we excited about Maze of it? Is that that's not exciting. No, only depths. Okay, okay, you're right. You're right. And we're out. <laughs>